Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 1. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Hello, hello, hello. Today we have the great honor and privilege of having Miss Iris Veneration join us on an episode of our podcast to share with us some of her interesting, informative, educational, maybe if we're lucky, some painful things that she's learned in her career of being a real estate investor and house flipper. So welcome, Iris. Thank you for being here. Hello, Miss Holly. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. We're so excited. I have lots of fun questions for you. So we are just going to dive right in and get started. So why don't you tell us how you got started in real estate investing and what you did in your life before that? Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, My previous life before I was an investor, I used to work in mortgage finance. So I worked for a company called E-Trade and believe it or not, they did have a mortgage company way back when. Um, and so, yeah, I did mortgage finance. So I kind of knew like uh, the, the mortgage side of it. And I got interested in real estate because I would do refis, you know, for my clients and they had all these investment properties. I'm like, oh, there's something here. And uh, I remember at the time, this was back in 2003, I remember at the time I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I know most people uh, have heard of or can relate to. And it literally changed my, my whole um outlook on this whole work thing and, you know, having money work for me and not uh, working for, you know, this institution and stuff. And back then I was working so many hours and working so hard, making great money, mind you. But then I realized I wanted to do something and create something for myself. And, you know, back in the corporate days, I felt like I had already reached this um, level, you know, the, the, the proverbial glass ceiling, you know, I already had climbed up this corporate ladder. I'm like, I didn't know where else I could go unless I changed industries or did something way different. And so I wanted, I did this thing. I remember doing a flip, my very first flip. There was someone that I worked with um, that asked me if I wanted to do uh, a flip. And I'm like, what is a flip? And she's like, you know, this is when you buy a house and you, you know, fix it all up and then you resell it and you make a profit. And I'm just, and all I could say was, okay, let's, let's do this. And I remember leaving work at 10 o'clock and finding the Home Depot that was open 24 hours or open till midnight. Oh my gosh. You know, so I can bring it to the house so my contractor could work on the house, but it was crazy. So the way I got started was I did this first flip while I was working 16 hour, you know, weeks uh, at corporate E-Trade. And, and and so to make a long story short, it's already long, sorry. <laughs> it's great. Keep it going. Keep the one. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we sold that house and made a ton of money and I was, I was hooked. It was one of those, yeah, let's do this again. And shortly after that, you know, within three months, I quit my corporate job and decided to go full time. So that was kind of my start in this real estate thing. I kind of went you know, all, I went all the way. So I quit my job like that. Wow. That is really fast. Very inspirational. That shows a huge amount of motivation on your factor. I mean, that you could 
work these huge amount of hours and then go to Home Depot at 10 o'clock at night. That's super <laughs> impressive, very well, driven. Well, but let me just let me just add this, Holly. Okay, so I'm not sharing the story so everyone can go out and just like quit their jobs. I mean, um, you know, one of the things that I wish if I could have done it over again, I probably would have stayed at my job just a little bit longer. So I could have like stabilized my business because starting your own business is a whole different animal. You know, when you're in corporate, you sit there and you get mad at corporate policies and why they're doing things. And then when you start your own business, you realize you have to create those policies. And it's a totally, uh, you appreciate some of the things that corporate stuff do, you know, like health insurance, things like that. But you know, there's the freedom that real estate affords me. And I'm sure you as well, you know, is worth it. Um, so anyway, what I'm trying to say is, you know, uh, if I could have done it differently, maybe I would have waited a little longer where I knew my, my business was a little bit more stabilized. So it would have been so scary. Uh, and, and it is possible to do this while you're working a, a full-time job. Uh, and you know, and you know, the, the awesome thing is, you know, I, I got to fire my boss, but if I could do it over again, I probably would have waited just a little bit longer until all my systems, my, my entities were all set up. Uh, just, uh, I think it would have been easier at the time. But anyway, Great that's... advice. And I agree with that. But that leads me to one more add on question to what you just said. Uh-huh. In your opinion, do you need an entity to do your first flip? Do you have oh, to have like not. some, oh, like no. some kind of an S corp or LLC? <sighs> okay. Okay. So great question. And I get this question actually a lot. And, um, and it's funny, it's one of my pet peeves. There's a lot of companies out there that, go through the real estate circuit, so to speak, and, you know, preach that you need to protect all your assets and this, that, and the other. And so they convince you or they sell you on, you know, creating all these LLCs, you know, in Nevada or Wyoming or wherever they are, um, you know, protect your assets. And I usually tell people, don't worry about that until you actually have assets. (laughs) Right. Um, Now it is an important uh, factor into, or it's an, it's an important thing to have in your business, of course. But once you, what's when you're first starting out, I think it's more important to get the asset and actually do something and see if you even like it. I know people that start this thing and they're just like, Oh, this sucks. I don't really don't know why I actually started this. But anyway, um, yes, uh, I think entities are important. Um, but when you're first starting out, just work on getting your leads, you know, doing a deal, before you start getting into entity structures, because you know how I structure my entity and what I do may be different than what you do. So uh, yeah, there's different, and uh, I'm not a CPA, but all I can say is definitely consult a CPA once you have built you know one or two assets, and then you can determine then what's your best entity. So I flip, and I also hold. So to answer that question directly, I flip in in an LLC, uh, taxes an S corporation because my CPA has told me this is, you know, the best structure for me tax wise. And I hold things in, in LLCs. Excellent. That's great information. My CPA has advised me on the exact same structure. So it's all good. (laughs) It's always great to hear that confirmation, but yeah, that's generally the Mm -hmm. structuring that we hear out there in the, lawyer advice world. Mm. That's super great. Okay. So have you found it? um, Well, first of all, how many years have you been doing this total? Okay. So I quit my corporate job back in 2003. So what is that? We're about 13 13 years now. Oh my God. (laughs) 
So you're having fun. Let me try it. So have you seen? Well, I'll say, what have you seen in the various mark? You know, at various points in the market cycle, and how has that changed your? business and maybe you can speak specifically to your acquisition strategies if they've changed at all or maybe they've stayed the same Mm, okay that's kind of a loaded question holly okay so here's the thing when i started it was 2003 2004 and if if you recall if you're if you're new to real estate maybe you didn't you don't know this particularly but if you've been around you know 2003 the market was going like this it was going up and up and up and people were like in this state of euphoria, you know, people didn't think real estate could go down. And the reality was, is um, the reality was, is that you couldn't make a mistake. So I started in that market, even if I bought completely wrong and was still able to fix it up and sell it, you still made a profit. All you had to do was hold it a month. <laughs> the prices were going up, whether you did a good job or not. And so I kind of started in, I, I, for lack of a better word, like this false market. Like you thought you were so good, but really it was just the market going up. And um, so all the mistakes that you could possibly make in, in your buying, you know, were forgiven very quickly. And so what's very interesting that I can say for myself that I lived through was that I experienced this market that just went like this, like this, like this. And, um, and was in this, you know, state of euphoria, thinking that nothing was ever going to come down. And then, of course, everybody knows the market crashed. So that was an interesting time and obviously big lessons to learn. And so at that time, I was flipping. Uh, and I also realized that once you sell the asset, uh, once you flip it, you no longer have the asset. Right. So you get this big chunk of money, chunk money, which I love. Don't get me wrong. But I also realized back then is, you know, part of uh, a lot of reasons why people get into real estate is because they want freedom. And if I sell the asset, then I don't if I sell the property and I no longer have the asset. So I realized I needed to create like a rental portfolio as well to get this passive income stuff thing going on. And so I was using a lot of my capital that I was creating in California And just like everyone else, back in 2005, 2006, I took it out of state into areas I didn't even know, but everybody was buying. So it must be good, right? (laughs) So just like everyone else, you know, I bought a ton of stuff out of state. So I had stuff in Florida, I had properties, a ton of properties in Atlanta, Ohio, Texas. I was all over the place. Place Indiana, I mean, place New York, I mean, places I didn't even want to go to. Uh, the, the, the cold part of New York, that is. <laughs> um, and so, uh, anyway, there was a lot of lessons to learn in the sense that I, I, I was thinking about what was the question again? <laughs> how, how your business has changed yeah. over like the last 13 years okay. and your acquisition strategies, but keep going. People want to hear the rest yeah. of the story. What happened yeah. after you went out of state? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, you know, I kind of chunked it when the market fell because I was buying properties wrong because I was in this, you know, the same idea where everything was just going up. And my big lesson on that is that things don't appreciate as much in out of state areas. I mean, some places do as much as California. So I was taking all my California ideals and bringing it out of state and it just wasn't working. So, you know, I got pummeled in the market. I mean, I, I'm not proud of that, but I did lose a few properties. I short sale a ton of them, but I can happily say now that I bought everything back to California. Now, 
I know a lot of my colleagues, a lot of my friends invest out of state and they do just fine. But for me personally, I want to be here in my own backyard in Southern California. So my goal, and you know, the funny thing is, is that when I first started out, my goals totally changed. Like I wanted a hundred houses and I got to like 48 and I'm like, I can't handle this. This is too crazy. <laughs> so now, you know, as my career kind of progressed, I'm like, I want different things now. There's different things I want to do. So I'd rather own for example, you know, 20 free and clear homes in California versus 100 doors out of state. I mean, that's just for me personally. And so uh, as far as acquisition strategies and things like that, uh, you know, today, I don't, maybe I'll do notes out of state, but I don't necessarily want to own any properties out of state. All my acquisitions are based out here in California. And, you know, I'm really careful of seeing or watching like what, what, you know, I, I listen to Bruce Norris. I kind of, you know, check out all his market timing reports. And um, and there's nothing that beats actually being in the market. Like people can say things about different areas. You know, the National Association of Realtors can give all these predictions. But the reality is every place, everyone, every, there's like a micro economy in every city, in every, you know, county that you work in. So for me, I know when things are changing because I feel it because I'm in it. Like if I put a property on the market this week and I get no offers, I'm like, oh, you know, with what's going on? Because maybe a month ago we put it on the market and boom, there was like a ton of offers, you know, within three days. And so I'm always really conscious of like what, what's going on in my local micro markets as well. But at the same time, I'm looking at things like, you know, what, what's going on with the mortgages, affordability, all this other stuff. And, um, yeah, so my acquisitions, again, I don't know if I answered the question. You know, I, I like to stay in California. I like to flip in California. Right now, we have rentals that are, uh, like, in San Bernardino, Riverside County, and we're 1031 exchanging them all to Orange County, very close to where I live. Really? Yeah. So San Bernardino is even too far for you, huh? Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Too far, because I'll tell you what, you know, having rentals is very closer is so much more convenient so yes it is that's for sure and orange county is a nice place to call home yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. that's for sure okay no go ahead what were you gonna say oh no i was gonna say you know um you know it's it's great that i can say that you know i have rentals in orange county and you know for someone maybe who's newer that's listening to this you know, they're like, how do I buy a rental in Orange County? Because, you know, Orange County is a little pricier, right? And certainly you can cash flow better in areas like San Bernardino or Riverside or Inland Empire, right? Or Bakersfield even, you know, still be in California and cash flow in different areas. And, you know, what I, what I want to say about that is, yes, that's true. And sometimes you have to start in those areas. And, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm working towards my end goal where I'm actually like I, like I mentioned earlier, you know, 1031ing them in Orange County. So I, I just want to say something because, you know, I may say that and people are just like, how do you buy a cash flowing rental in Orange County? But, you know, there was a couple steps before that I had to do because, again, I, I acknowledge that not everything in, Cal in Orange County is necessarily cheap, you know, but so you have to take a few steps to get there. Right. Very good. And just for the benefit of somebody that might not be familiar with the term 1031. Oh. Do you want to explain what that is? Uh, no, I think you're better qualified. <laughs> well, okay. So 1031 refers to the Internal Revenue Code section that allows real estate holders to do a tax-free exchange. I am no longer a practicing CPA and will not advise on that. But, you know, that is, that is the gist of it 
So yes, you can do research online if you're interested to know more about 1031 exchanges. So in your business today, how are you finding your deals? Your flipping business, of course. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, um, going back to your question about market and acquisitions and stuff like that, you know, the, you know, we do something called the 60 day challenge and it's a, it's a educational hands-on program. And the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, your acquisition strategies definitely change as the market changes. So, you know, back three, four years ago, everything was MLS, everything was short sales and REOs. Everything was about creating relationships with agents and getting your offer in because everyone was putting cash offers on these things. So your relationships, you know, were very, very important. Now relationships are still critically important in every market, you know, no matter what your acquisitions are. So relationships are important, but I'm finding that in this market today, you know, a lot, I looked, I took an assessment of all the properties, let's say we closed in 2015 and most of them were referral business. I only closed, I only, acquired three properties last year off the MLS, which is surprising to me. Most of them were either bought from wholesalers or referrals or from a mailer. So that's the other big thing. And like, for example, the wholesalers were getting their deals through mailers. So I, I see a big trend right now where marketing is really, really critical. Marketing direct to sellers and getting deals that way. So um, yeah, did I answer the question? Yes. So um, you're just saying that you get them from wholesalers, your own mailers and referrals from the MLS. And, and I'm still, I, I still put offers on the MLS through agents, especially agents that I've worked with in the past that know what I'm looking for. Offers still go in, but surprisingly, like I said, a lot of our deals are coming direct from wholesalers from mailers and referrals. So. Awesome. And a mailer, just for people that don't know what that is, that is a, usually a postcard, right? Yeah. Can Same. you see me? Hold on. Oh, I lost you there. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So a mailer is just a, usually typically a postcard. That's probably what you send saying we pay cash for houses, something like that. It can be a simple, well, our mailers consist of postcards as well as yellow letters. Now okay. people who aren't aware of yellow letters, I mean, it can be something as simple as a, a yellow pad of paper where you just write, I'm interested in buying your house, please contact it. Please contact me and a number. I mean, sometimes or a lot of times simple is better, but you know, as far as mailers are concerned, I think you just need to do something that's according to your personality and style. You can handwrite the letter. You can hire a company like yellow letters complete. There's a ton of them. You just have to Google them and they'll do that service for you. Or if you have a niece or nephew or, you know, uh, your mom that's interested in making some extra money. And I think it's a great way. And so the critical part of that is getting a list. And I can just tell you this, anyone can get a list, especially for free, for example, from a title company, you just got to ask, you know, uh, what area you want to be in. And, you know, a common list is like an absentee owner, uh, someone who doesn't live in the property uh, uh, that you're marketing to, for example, and, uh, your title companies can pull that for you for free. Or if you want to get a little more complicated and, you know, really hone down on a, spe- a specific list, you know, all these companies uh, that you can Google like yellow letters, complete yellow letters.com. There's a ton of them. Like I said, you know, are also list source providers and stuff like that. So you can actually, uh, get very specific in your criteria and, uh, pull a list and they'll even mail that stuff for you. Now, 
with that being said, you know, you've got to have a marketing budget. So marketing, I think marketing is, you know, a critical part in anyone's business. So it doesn't matter what business you're in. So it's just part of your marketing. And again, I'm finding that, um, I'm finding that, you know, deals in this market are coming a lot from direct to sellers. So if you're not marketing right now, maybe, maybe you should give it a go. Now, Holly, I have to ask you, I mean, you are, you are awesome at relationships. I mean, how, what's the majority of your deals coming from right now? Um, mine are still from relationships. We didn't buy, we haven't bought anything really in the last um, probably six months. Says we've been selling through, we bought a whole lot of inventory a year ago and we've just been finishing selling through all that. But everything we got last year was agent relationships or wholesalers. I have yet to do that direct marketing. I have not done mailers (laughs) yet, but I think my time is coming this year. So, well, you know, here's the thing you know, you don't per se have to do the mailer, you just need to know wholesalers that do mailers. Right. Because you know, that's part of the value they bring, right? They're, yeah. they're actually putting, uh, you know, spending their marketing budgets to get their deals under contract. And, you know, it saves you from, well, if you didn't want to do a mailer yourself, you just got to learn or meet wholesalers that are doing mailers because they're getting the deals. Right. Well, and that leads me to another discussion point that we can talk about is there's a lot of components of this business from marketing and acquisition to um, somebody actually fixing up the house, somebody staging the house, somebody then marketing the house. And you can do all of that yourself. I've heard of people doing the labor themselves on a flip. I know you and I do not do that. (laughs) But um, (laughs) twin nails. But um, why don't you talk a little bit about what you do yourself and what you outsource or have team members that do for your business? Okay, great question. Um, well, let me just start by saying this. You know, as a business owner, you know, one of the hardest things that I had to learn to do was to delegate because you know you you create whatever these systems in your head and stuff like that, and at one point it does get overwhelming, especially if you are doing more business, of course. And uh, again, one of the hardest things I had to learn was to learn how to delegate because in my mind, I was the person that could do it the best and there was no one that could do it like me, yada, yada, yada. And um, once I was able to let go of certain things and get people to, or have people that worked for me that were very competent and intelligent, and in some cases smarter than me, (laughs) I realized that uh, my business could grow a lot faster and some of the things that I actually delegated, they figured out how to do even better. So you just have to be able to let that go as a business owner. Um, because I think, um, for, for me in my business, it helped us grow tremendously. So some of the things that I do and some of the things that I delegate. So, you know, what I also figured out is there are some things that I really like to do. And there are some things that I absolutely despise. And so those, the things that you don't like to do, hand it off to someone else. Now, I'm a total people person, so I like dealing with people. I love like talking to contractors, negotiating, you know, the best deal and, uh, and in some ways providing for them, right? Because in this business, everybody gets to make money. So I like dealing with the contractors and half the time I really shouldn't be. <laughs> actually like dealing with people and at the same time I hate dealing with the contractors you know it's like this double-edged sword because 
you know, when you have a whole bunch of people working a job, you know, they're like little babies and you got to babysit them. And sometimes I'm just like enough. Um, but the things like I do love is like designing. Like I love like looking at a space and even though I'm not an architect or interior designer, but like I'll look at a space and just be like, Oh, we can do this. or This is what we can create. And so the next step is finding someone who can, fulfill that vision for me. So I'm really into like looking at the houses and redesigning them. So it's now in its best and proper use for this day and age. So that is the part of the business that I really love that transformation, that thing, you know, where everyone has a TV show on where they get to see the before and after. So I really dig that part. And again, I'm really, you know, I, I'm such a people person that I do, I do love dealing with a different, you know, to me, you know, the, what I find challenging is, you know, getting the timelines together, making sure that everyone works in their space so it gets done in, in, uh, in I guess, the most efficient uh, timeline possible. So that those, to me, are like the challenges. So when I take on a project, I do the design, I do the timeline, and then I figure out who my contractors are, and then that's it. I come you know, check out property, uh, little progress checks. Then I'm at the end, then I get to have a party in the house. So that's like my favorite thing, Um, (laughs) you know, and then the other things that I don't like is, you know, the bookkeeping. That was a big thing that I had to delegate. And part of it was because I didn't really understand QuickBooks for a while. uh, (laughs) And I always like had in my mind that I, I needed to understand this before I could hand it off. But the reality is, or <laughs> if you have a good bookkeeper, they can explain a lot of things to you. And um, the bookkeeping was just, you know, when you're doing a flip, there's just tons of receipts involved. And if you're not like, you know, recording this and you're going to forget, you're just going to forget. And if you have multiple properties going on, I mean, it's just, it's critical things. So the bookkeeping, I have a bookkeeper that comes in, you know, every week to make sure that our books are up to date and I know what's going on in each of the properties. And then of course, you know, I'm not an agent. My partner is an agent. So the selling part of it, when we list it, you know, that's something I totally hand off because, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not good at it. I mean, she's way better and she has her license. So that's, you know, that's how it works in our, in our partnership. So again, you know, little tiny things, um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else, but those are like the major things that I delegate and things that I take on myself. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. So um, we're just down to our last few minutes. So I'm going to use my favorite questions. So how has being a woman been for you in this business? Has it been an advantage, a disadvantage? Do you have any stories about that? Being a woman in this business. Okay. Um, I remember when I first started out dealing with a seller that, uh, that was just, uh, for lack of a better word, an ass, (laughs) 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 mean on the phone. And like, I immediately realized that he was kind of a misogynistic guy. And, uh, and the thing is, is instead of being offended and just letting the lead go, I mean, you have to, there's going to be people like this no matter what. And I realized, you know, we got, we got a decent deal here. So all I did was hand it off to one of my guy partners. I'm like, you deal with this guy because obviously he doesn't think whatever that I'm, I'm, you know, good enough to deal with. And we closed that deal. So, you know, sometimes you just, you can't take it personally. You just gotta, you know, kind of go with it. And the opposite has happened where, you know, the guys are like this 
they're clashing and then they send they send me in they're like you know butter it up and and close the deal so is there an advantage or disadvantage necessarily i can't really say i think uh i think women you know have different approaches and you know i think we're we're really great listeners not that guys can't be but i think we're more really in tune uh to people's like emotions and feelings and being i think we're really good at like honing in and listening to what their needs really are and i'm not saying guys aren't equally as good you know the best closers are very good at this um, but i think you know as women we're a little more empathetic and stuff like that or we can be uh, and so i think that does help uh in in this industry especially when it comes to negotiating and I mean, in any aspect, when it's like a contractor or another agent or, you know, most importantly, when you're direct with seller. So uh, is it necessarily an advantage? I don't know. I just like being a woman and I love working with women and I love seeing women succeed. So uh, but the reality is, is that we're in a world where, you know, you have to work with men and men are great. And, you know, you have to work with someone. And so I, I, I can't. Uh, I don't know what my opinion is on this. You know, I don't think it's uh, one great or bad in any in any direction. I just think it's awesome to be a woman in this industry and be able to succeed and see so many other pe women, you know, blaze a path from the a path for themselves in this industry. So that's what I'm most happy about. Well, awesome. And I know you are a huge inspiration to me and many other women and men with all of your success and your <laughs> ability and willingness to share your experiences because you love when other people make money too. I mean, you're just yeah. a kind and generous person with your time and your knowledge. So that's great. So tell me, we have two more questions. What is what is it that you love most about the business, which maybe it was the design aspect or maybe there's something else you want to share. And then what are your goals for 2016? Uh, okay. So actually, you know, people ask me why I do this business and maybe this is going to sound selfish, but the reality is I do it for the money. I love making money. <laughs> I love spending money. Maybe that's really the game. <laughs> But uh, speaking of money, you know, what I do love about this business is that so many people, I mean, I, I just realized, I know we've talked about this before, Holly, but, you know, just having this business that we run, so many people, it's like we take care of so many people, not directly, but everyone, you know, every time I do a transaction, it's amazing. Electricians get paid. Title people get paid, escrow companies get paid, appraisers get paid, agents get paid. You know, everyone makes money. And I think, you know, uh, I'm proud of that. I'm proud to be able to, you know, run, do a transaction and know that, you know, people are going to eat. People are going to be able to afford homes and things like that. And I think it's, you know, I think it's an intrinsic benefit that we, you know, we, 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 help the economy run, which is awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I love this business because so many people uh, can get paid. Wholesalers get paid. I mean, just, yeah, there's, it just goes down the line, which is really awesome. So when I make money, I'm happy. And knowing deep down inside, everyone else made money as well is really cool to me. Um, and the second question was what, again, short-term memory today that's <laughs> okay what are your goals for 2016 are you gonna yeah. keep flipping is it going yes okay 
So the short answer is yes, I'm going as hard as I can through the end of 2016. Um, this is an election year and I mean, I don't know what's going to happen after the new president, well, whoever that may, he or she may be. <laughs> so, you know, again, I might have to reassess everything by the end of the year, but right now, you know, in my local markets, you know, I flip in Orange County and Los Angeles and some in uh, San Bernardino County as well. Um, but for, for us, you know, the market has been really good. So I want to go as hard as I can and take as many deals as I possibly can. And then come at the end of 2016, I'm probably going to reassess everything. Now, for my personal strategy, uh, I don't want to be in a higher price point right now because, again, I'm kind of a little sketch about what's happening. But in my local markets, everything's been selling really well and everything's been strong. So that's what I can say about my where the markets I'm working. But for me personally, I don't want to go into like million dollar price point right now. I want to kind of keep it under 700 mm -hmm. or less. And a lot of our deals are, you know, sitting around the, you know, three to four, if three to five hundred thousand dollar mark. And I'm finding that that's kind of the sweet spot mm -hmm. where all everything is going fast. And so uh, I'm kind of yeah. So that's where I am for. 2016 and then again you know we, we are doing a lot of strategic moves in this year we did we started last year and in this year so hopefully in 2017 if i need to we're just going to take a break <laughs> nice. and, uh, you know just sit on our rentals and, and enjoy life you know part of Enjoy the other part of why we do this business, right? So Awesome. I love it. Well, you have been so fun and so open with your information. Uh, my audience as well as me really appreciate that. And I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about your fabulous real estate club, which is how I came to know about you. Oh, awesome. And tell people about that so people in Southern California can come to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your contact info and the website for the club and all of that. Cool. Okay. I'll do it real quick. Um, so my last piece of advice I'm going to share is, you know, there's so much information online, you know, like Holly's podcast, you know, there's a ton of information that you can learn a lot of things for free, but at the same time, if you're going to do this business, you need to surround yourself with real people that actually do the business and, um, and get yourself educated. Now I totally recommend going to real estate clubs, not because I run one, but because that's the way I learned as well. Uh, and so we have a real estate club. It's awesome. It's called Invest Club for Women. Everybody is welcome. The men can come too. The men dig us and we dig the guys that come. So, you know, don't be afraid just because it says women, if that's stopping you from coming, then you're silly. But anyway, just come. It's, um, we have meetings on the third Tuesday and the third Wednesday of every month. The third Tuesday, we're in LA. And the third Wednesday, we are in Orange County. Our meetings are from 6.30 to 9.30. Just go to our website. It's investclubforwomen.com, investclubforwomen.com. All my contact info is there. So if you want to reach out, you can certainly do that. Or you can, I guess, find me on Facebook, Iris Veneration, or, you know, join our, our fan page, Invest Club for Women. Okay. Oh, my God. It's been so great hanging out with you, Holly. This is so much fun. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll for sure put your contact info and the website in our show notes. So if you're listening and you don't have a pen to write it down, just go to our show notes and you can find it there. So awesome. thank you so much. And I'd love to have you on in a future show and hear about what's new with you. Thanks, Iris. Okay. Cool deal. Thank you, Holly. Thanks for having me. Bye, yeah. Podcast Nation. <laughs> If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com, on the podcast page. Also, 
To get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.